Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Uh, let's do it live on a Tuesday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo, the great Z, the hop for the next couple of hours. Get the hop and the shot. From the CC. The moneymaker. MC. Training camp continues. There is a... Uh, a speaker close I'm, to us. I'm going to go in deal our with vicinity. it here in just a second. And no, we were not. Like, the video was live of the tent. There was no audio going out. So okay. Take a breath. Well, he's we're fine. Good. I feel like he's fine. Composed. Calm. I'm uh, uh, calmer We have had an airing of the grievances at. most of the day. Already? Well, just, I've, I've been, you know, there's things going on that I'm displeased with. Displeased? I don't like you displeased. You're a man who gulps joy. I know. I want to be. I want to be drinking from the fountain of pure joy i'm That's trying my best want. to just make it happen for yeah. what do you what do you got Failing going on over here clearly. you got things you got a snack here you got some cables stevie's here he's hey, gonna grab a snack until seven snack. o'clock last night we were working on the mevo i believe we are on the stream i think it's amazing um that the whatever this thing is called this apparatus the mevo the, the, the thing that we've had for these type of things for like five years as yeah. long as i've been doing the show with you it feels like 60 percent of the time it works none Works out of that. Boy, and you would – I think you're generous today. Is I it 80? I want to go time ahead, it works though. none. It feels like then we don't think about it again until it's time, like two minutes before. Well, now we got to get it sorted out, and then it fails. Now he was working on it all night. 80% of the time. Uh, I, I was working on it most What of I'm more amazed by is – Connor was helping As of the last Steve. time that I looked, we had a, close to 7,000 people watch yesterday's 42 minutes of CBD on YouTube that Didn't have had audio. no sound. God bless you You're, all. You find that surprising? I, I feel the love. I think what people that says see. something about the good-looking trio that's in front of the camera. They, they were happy to just watch us talk and say a little bit about of, us. A little bit of something for the ladies out there, there with, with the three of us on the program. I think that's <laughs> that's probably what you're dealing with there. Um, yeah, so we've got a big micro. I, I'll tell you, my favorite thing of yesterday was uh, when we were all done and, and then I had gotten home. And what did I come across on the social? None other than the Hoff putting through a personal offensive line clinic of our offensive line. <laughs> now, how does that come about? How much did you enjoy? It looked like you were having the time of your life because there's nothing love you it. love more than talking Nothing about that I love <laughs> more than talking about Mushroom Club stuff. Right. I love it. That was so, a really cool thing. Clearly, man. you noticed I was unprepared because I was wearing flip-flops and a T-shirt. Flip-flops and, uh, and a T-shirt of two of the offensive of linemen. Two of the offensive linemen, and, which caused a little controversy, I'm not going to lie, oh. because Joel Batonio's rating is better in all aspects on that shirt over Wyatt Teller. And uh, you can tell there's a little drama within the room about why he's so much more highly rated than his uh, compadre. Uh, four straight Pro Bowls. I, I, what are you going to do? I, I'm not getting in the middle of those two guys. They're much bigger and stronger and faster than I am at this point in my life. So I will allow them to uh, hash that out. But, yeah, I was in flip-flops. Coach Callahan uh, asked me. We had, like, five, six <laughs> minutes left in practice. And he was like, hey, Joe, get down and teach him about the vertical set. I'm like, okay, we'll take a six-semester course and uh, put it into six <laughs> minutes, and we'll start talking vertical set. So it was really cool. I was uh, it was it was peak living for me. As you guys know, I love talking about offensive line stuff. I love working with Browns offensive linemen, just trying to share the wisdom that I've gained over almost two decades of playing the position. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. And I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna be sitting in their meetings this week, trying to talk a little bit of sense into some of them boys and uh, give them 
impart as much wisdom as possible, especially after today's practice. We're putting the pads on for the oh, first time, baby. which is going to be pure joy. We are going to solve all that ails Mr. Zagura going into oh, today's yeah. practice. I'm already better. He feels better already. With some skull cracking yeah, just and around some one-on-one pass rush. I can't wait. How, how, how many conversations have you had with Coach Callahan on offensive line? So Over it's interesting. I, I did a um, a segment at the – I think they're turning up the music on purpose right Gibby's now. bringing it closer yeah, now. I, is, He's is, getting it closer is, to is us. Is that Gibby? Is, yes, is he pulling out a baseball bat? Pop, is he, pop. Do is your he color. taking a baseball bat? Do color commentary. Here you go. Explain to the people what we're witnessing with Gibby and the speaker right now. So it's I see Gibby, thing. like, pushing this giant thing as if he's on the world's strongest man competition. <laughs> Magnus like for Magnus. Pushing one of those like a dump truck or pulling an airplane across the, the tarmac. <laughs> and now he's kissing his biceps. Oh, my God. He just pointed to us. And he gave us the sign Uh-oh. of chugging a beer. Oh, Uh-oh. my goodness. Uh-oh. No, I think he's in trouble. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is there uh-oh. Uh-oh. not like it? Oh, he's starting Uh-oh. to point at security. This is Uh-oh. getting Uh-oh. out of hand. Look at they're moving after him. Look at him. Two of them in pursuit. They're starting to jog. Oh, my gosh. They're pulling out the tasers. Here come the tasers. Run, Gibby. Run. Gibby, full speed. Not now, Gibby. Go. Wow, that was an amazing. The sweat is just dripping off of his forehead right now. It is glorious. Get out of headset right now. Now that he's out of his car, let him know how you feel. Oh, my goodness. That was delightful. Gibby, I felt like you pulled it for backwards, then forwards, then backwards, then forward. What was happening there? Were you just getting some reps? I was working with the great Markel. Uh, she, That's what you call it, working with him. It, it looked like you were steamrolling them. Yeah. So it got caught on the cords. And she was like, <laughs> oh, no. It's on the cords. I, I was like, happens. well, we're just going to keep going. Let's get him over the cords. I mean, we, we can't back up. We can only go forward. Oh so let's get it done. Gosh. Is yeah, that a little better? Yeah. A little better. Yeah. It's not great, but. It's still a real close proximity. Well, but, you know, you do what you can do when they're you gonna be it. They're going to be practicing right in front of us. Oh, that'll be fun. So I didn't want to put us at the Browns live tent. Today. I don't think anybody can hear it, to be honest. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not seeing it on the stream from a level standpoint. Okay, in terms all of right, picking good, it up. Good, so good. if we just stop talking, what's it oh, doing? Good. So we were, I was asking before we were, you know, this, this, this incredible thing by, was strapped in our lap. I was asking you about Bill Callahan and the amount of conversation right. you had because probably one of the five or six most fun conversations we've had on the history of this show, the three of us, was when you went through your process, process. Yeah. Right. on one play. Mm-hmm. One so of the three piece. What is what 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 how much of, of that does Bill Callahan know? Yeah, so it's interesting because Coach Callahan's a member of the Cool Clinic, which is the big offensive lineman clinic down in Cincinnati every year and Bob Wiley was the one who kind of started it and puts it together and schedules the speakers. And so I got to present at the cool clinic, which was really awesome. And the thing that he asked me to present was my process and what I go through, not only on a daily basis, but as I'm going from a weekly basis, preparing for an opponent um, and kind of what I think about each day and how I kind of go about making notes and trying to improve just on one thing every single day. Um, And so that's really where our relationship ends. But he knew about me because he was there and he listened to the presentation. And um, the last two years, for a lot of reasons with COVID, have stunk. But one of the things that has been bad and hard for me is I don't really – I haven't had the chance to get to know these guys since yeah. they got here, right? The first training camp, there was nobody here. The second one, we weren't even allowed to step across the white line onto the yeah. field. So I, I don't know Coach Callahan at all. Um, Coach Peters – is a guy who had come to some of our practices when I was still playing. And so I'd 
developed a good relationship with him. You guys, I feel like, are like um, brothers from another mother. Absolutely. A couple of meetups. <laughs> like, we, we bonded very Beasts. quickly, there's no doubt. Um, but it was great getting an opportunity to meet Coach Callahan at practice um, on Saturday and starting to develop that relationship. He invited me to meetings, so I'm really excited to sit in there and talk with him and hear because he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, and I think anytime you hear people say things, even if it's the same thing, but they talk about it from maybe a different angle that you haven't thought about before, it's going to make you a better coach and a better teacher of offensive linemen fundamentals and principles. And I think what's really cool about it is you're as great as you are, and, you know, we call you the hot for a reason, that you, you know, you said, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, and, you know, he they, he's teaching, he's a venerable coach, as you said, but I think it's cool that he wanted, when you and I were talking about it yesterday when we were pumping iron, brother, I said, I bet I'm curious, he probably wants you to tell him, this is what it takes to be you. Not only did you have the God-given gifts and, and the aptitude and the physicality, but you gave, you gave everything to your process to make you be great. That You brought it up. That's one of the most fascinating awesome. 15 minutes I've ever heard in my life about yeah. any subject matter. It was a master class about that process. And I think that sometimes, you know, I think guys don't understand. Being around the league now for 10 years, there are a lot of natural talents that come in, but I don't think they really understand the level it takes to build on those talents to become truly mm -hmm. great. You could probably stay in the league for a long time if you're just so blessed as an athlete, right. but to become you or to yeah. become Tom Brady, it's the lifestyle, it's the dedication to that process and to your craft. Yeah, you'll never fully tap into your potential unless you build that process and unless you have that commitment to your craft. Because to your point, everybody that gets drafted and comes into the league was an All-American in college and has great talent. Now, there's obviously some talents that are greater than others. Sure. Um, but you can stay around a long time in the NFL with just great talent without committing yourself. But the guys that are consistently great, you know, you're all pros, you're all uh, your Pro Bowl guys who make it five, six, Every seven year. years, yep. it's because they've developed a process that works for them, an individual process. They've gone through that trial and errors method to find out what works for me and how I prepare every single day to be great 365 days in the year and and that's one of the things that i try to encourage these guys and especially for the positions where you're measured by how many failures you have not how many successes you have the process is ultra important because good. you know my my um my sister-in-law is a doctor and i've got friends in, in my family who are airline pilots and they talk about when you're in the or there's a very specific process when you're doing certain surgeries because the problem when you mess up is enormous it's you can't afford a mess yeah. up when you're in the air and you're flying in an airplane or when you're in the operating room so they have very specific processes that are put in place so that there isn't any mistakes that happen or at least they minimize the chances of mistakes and so when you're a cornerback when you're an offensive tackle you can't afford a mistake at all if you want to be great. And then you certainly can't afford it because usually those mistakes are happening on third and seven in the red zone when you're going down to beat Pittsburgh and all you need is a field goal. And boom, you give up a sack. Now you're out of field goal range. You just lost the game for the team. You may have had 60 pancake blocks before that yep. and been flexing your guns like the great Z to all your girls <laughs> in the audience, but nobody cares about those 60 plays that happened before that because when it came to not cutting time and things were on the line, you gave up the sack that lost the game for your team. And so building that process that tries to eliminate potential errors in your 
methodology and your techniques is as important as an offensive tackle and a cornerback as any other position on the field. When you were out there and you were doing the vertical set drill for them, did you find, was there anybody that you felt like was a quick study? Did you feel, you know, one of the things that I find fascinating is we've had Kurt Warner on the show. Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback. He, like, begs quarterbacks to let him help them, and nobody wants to do it. And I remember combine every year and just talks to people to see if they will let him help coach them. yeah, talk to coach. Yeah. To Let me help you. How this is how I watch film. Right. Let me help you with your film process. Let me help yeah. you with your preparation. Let me help you at reading deep. All of that. Each one's help. And he said he stunned it. It's ninety nine percent rejection. And you have a chance it's to be there. And I remember, and I won't name the name, but we had a guy who was playing left tackle for us who was an undrafted free agent, had a lot of a- athletic ability, and you offered to help. And yep. he's like, "Yeah, I'm good." And I'm like, "Yeah, huh? I, I don't know. It's either one of two things to me. One, they think that you're not serious, and they're like, ah, "I don't want to bother you," which th- maybe that's the case or the other one is let you prove that the uh the ego and the confidence is far greater than the actual talent and the The performance and uh so they're like that i don't really know if i need his help i think i got this i can figure that out on my own and it's just why you know to me all information is good information yeah you can't hear it from enough people even if maybe it's something different than you do like i had a very specific pass set that I kind of developed that worked for me. And it came from my background as a shot putter. And Jeff Howard was in our DB coach, a great yeah. friend of the program. Yeah. When we were in the gym yesterday, he said one of his jobs early with the Vikings was he was supposed to chart the opponent's offensive line's penalties. Okay. And then turn him into the league, right, for potential, like, hey, watch out for this guy, you know, when you play him. And he said that he was so fast on his set that every time that he was a pass block of Joe, he thought he had to be offsides. Like, there's yeah. no way he could have been – that quick off the ball. Yeah, that good ball he turned in like the entire game yeah, before we and played like, them. They're, they're like, like, no. Shut up. <laughs> You're wrong. <right. You're> right. <laughs> He's just really good. That was pretty funny. Oh, that's solid. That is solid. Yeah, it's but it's interesting. It, and it, it, as we bring this full circle, it, you, you think about this year and you think about year three for Jed. And I think it's a big year. It's a big no year. Doubt. I think it's a big year for him. As you know, you think about where he was drafted, what he was drafted to be. Uh, you know, playing that that position at this place is always going to be tough. Following you, uh, but from the standpoint of what he was drafted to be, we saw a lot in that first season that led you to believe a lot of good. Last year, maybe not quite what everybody thought. Battled injuries, now, sure. And now heading into year three, where it feels like potentially a leap would it'd be nice if one happened here. It would be great. And, and I, let me ask you this: Imagine there's a, a big pie, okay, of what it takes to be great. Let's take the athletic ability about him, out of it. Let's just talk about from a coaching standpoint. So you've got Bill Callahan, who's got, as Joel Batonio said, he's never had, there's never been a question I've asked him that he did not have the answer to, which he thought was unbelievable. So you have the knowledge and the technique from Callahan, which is going to be a big part of this pie. With Scott Peters, you have somebody who understands the biomechanics and the physiology of what it takes to master the techniques to be the strongest you can be for your size and all of that. So that's got to be a piece of it, right? And it feels like by having you come in, that third piece, which is the process, like I don't understand that there could be an offensive line room in the world that would have a better preparation to do their job than if you combine all all of the vast knowledge of Callahan, the success, the technique mastery, all of that, the physio- biophysical or whatever you would call it of Scott Peters and then your process it feels like they would have every tool in the toolbox possible to become great. One other component to that is Joel. 
So, so you also have like he's there. Who's doing it? Right at the highest. Look, mm-hmm. you just watch him do right. that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's really a unique situation. There's no doubt. Uh, I got a chance to talk with Andrew Barry before they hired Bill Callahan and Scotty Peters, and he was asking about offensive line coaches, and he asked me about Bill Callahan. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's he's great. I, I haven't personally worked with him, but I know a lot of guys that have that sing his praises. He does a lot of the same drills and has a lot of the same concepts um, that I came from because we kind of had the same origin from George Warhop and the – the Eagles offensive line coach, Juan Castillo, and, like, a lot of the vertical set stuff kind of came from that tree. Uh, as the people at home fall asleep as we're talking offensive line. No way. Technique Are trees. you kidding? Pay attention. No, but um, – Take notes. But uh, I, I couldn't sing his praises enough, and then he talked about Scotty Peters. And I was like, oh, I know Scotty, and I think that pairing is fantastic because I've always thought if I was a coach, how would I put together my staff? And I want to ga- have guys that will disagree that come from different backgrounds without being disagreeable. And Scotty Peters and Bill Callahan, as far as I know, didn't know each other before they became coaches. And a lot of times, usually the head of line coach just hires his buddy because he knows he'll draw the cards the way he wants. And then that's it. And you're really not adding anything that's in your blind spot. But having Scotty Peters being in the private industry, in private practice, looking at the technique and basically building up offensive lineman techniques from ground zero up and changing the way that offensive line coaches have thought about things forever, I thought that was the perfect partnership to mesh him with Bill Callahan because one thing that football has struggled with for eons is how do you become a head O-line coach or a head coach in the NFL? You start as an intern and you basically learn from the people that are above you and you do the things that they have told you to do, right? That's how you learn. You're not going out and it's not like a scientist or a professor that's doing their own research and coming back and say, here's what my findings are. In, In the football world, you just do what the coach that brought you up has told you to do. So the the ability to change methods and technique is very slow over time. But when you bring in a guy like Scotty who's been away from it, who's been in the private practice, private industry, who's basically doing that scientific research that doesn't really happen in the NFL level, and you bring him in here and you combine him with a guy like Bill Callahan who's been around the game a long time, who's had a tremendous amount of success, but his blind spot might be, hey, this is what I've always done because it's worked really, really well, and all of a sudden Scotty can come in, and as long as they don't, disagree as long as they're not disagreeable with each other they can disagree but still come up with the best method for all these guys because in the end it's an individual method and technique that's going to be best for each player because it could be something as simple as right when you're if you're zone blocking to the right and you get your you want to get your hand on his outside shoulder right your inside yeah. hand on his outside shoulder but peters might have an idea where you want your thumb and they talk well, about he'll that talk all about the structure the this, bone structure which right is to really actually important. have maximum control on there so callan's always been thinking yeah, you got to get your hand here to drive sure. them, but it might be how do I position that hand yeah. in that spot for the maximum control of the player? And exactly, strength. based on the structure of the human body. The human body. Right, and I was really lucky early it's on amazing. in my career. I worked with a guy yeah. named Tunch Ilkin, who he actually does oh, yeah. the radio broadcast for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two-time pro bowler from the Steelers, offensive tackle, played at like 230, right? So really undersized, but he trained his entire career with this like – 15-time black belt judo karate guy and created this touches punches technique by working with this guy who had no football background his was all in martial arts yeah and so touch took that and was able to utilize that and develop it into a technique for an offensive lineman that worked for an undersized offensive lineman he called it touches punches so we did all these drills we worked with him in the offseason and i used some of his stuff 
But the thing that I used the most was the way he thought about the game was how is my body rigged and what is the structure to be able to maximize my smaller size against a guy like he went against Reggie White. Like Reggie's yeah. 310 th running a 4-6. Tunch is 230 playing tackle trying to stop the bull rush. How do I do this, right? So thinking outside the box, thinking about, all right, this is how I can stack these bones yeah. and make myself as strong so as I possibly can bones. to be able to handle these bigger people. And I think that's the huge benefit of having a guy like Scotty. Like like you mentioned, Coach Callen might say, hey, I want this outside hand on the outside peck when we're running outside zone. And Scotty may say, hey, I want to do that. by I want to turn your wrist a little bit so you feel the heel of your hand stack over your radius and your ulna and Jeez. go through your shoulder joint. And then you can draw that line on the screen when you're reviewing film and say hey this is your maximal advantage this is as strong as your body can possibly be because you're stacking bones and that's when you're at your strongest and this is the stuff that i think people I don't realize that's it. in the, the minutiae of it but so to me you have all of that and then you add in your process your preparation this is how you should think about when the from the time the play is called from the film that you've watched all the things you're looking i mean you told us you knew what they were doing 90% of the time. You got to know what they're going to do before they know what they're going to do. <laughs> because in, let's be awesome. honest, Jedi as an offensive awesome. lineman, we're the worst athletes on the field. Other than maybe the umpires, like there is nobody who is slower than us. And those defensive linemen are just as big as us. But the reason they're playing D-line is because they could run a 4-8 and we couldn't. So you got to find some way to some bridge advantage. that gap to That's have right. an advantage towards you. And so that advantage to be able to cut the time in half that you're reacting to what they're doing has got to be the knowledge side of it. The I know what they're going to do, and I'm thinking about it, so when they do it, I'm not reacting and thinking, oh, now they're spinning. Oh, how do I stop that? It's here comes the spin, so when they do it, you're cutting your reaction time by a split second, but that's the difference between success and a sack in the NFL. That's why Terrell, he's having nightmares about as being asked to come back and play. <laughs> Terrell Suggs is having nightmares about you being asked to come back and play. That's right. That was awesome. That was really good stuff. Uh, love that expertise on all of it. As Joe mentioned off the top, we will have a full contact practice today. It'll be happening right in front of us. We'll explain that to you. going to be a fun program in that regard, and we're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. ESPN Cleveland. And the land on demand is now free in the palm of your hands during the entire month of August. ESPN Cleveland and the Bath Authority giving fans free access to the land on demand for all the news you don't want to miss. See us live in our brand new studios. Replay all your favorite shows commercial free and on demand and get all access to Tony Grossi's Browns analysis and more. Visit thelandondemand.com or download the app today. The Land on Demand remodeled by the Bath Authority as we continue here. Full contact practice. Um, we, we had some news yesterday, gentlemen, in terms of, of uh, just some some. As, as we kind of put a ribbon on practice from yesterday, uh, Amari Cooper sat down in the end zone briefly in the red zone drills, had that right ankle checked out, got up after a minute and seemed fine. We'll see how that looks today. Um, Michael Woods is having himself a camp, I see here in the notes, Mr. Z. Yeah, and I actually have notes if we want to go through yesterday's practice of a bunch of things. I would that, like that. I that would like that a great deal. I like copious notes. All right, we got copious notes. So one thing that people were curious about, following the news of the six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson, what, if anything, would change with the reps? Yeah. And what I found is 
honestly not much in terms of the quarterback reps. They were split exactly as they have been. We talked about it yesterday on the show that continued in the practice that followed our program that now the offensive line was taking one, first team offensive line was basically taking one more rep and they were getting that with Jacoby Brissett. So he was getting some work with the ones. And so the breakdown in a typical 12 play period was four for Deshaun Watson, all with the ones, four for Jacoby Brissett, one with the one offensive line, three with the second team, two more for Deshaun Watson back with the first team, and then two for Josh Dobbs with the third team. They did a couple of 16 play periods that were actually split 4-4-4-4, four, 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 all Watson and all uh, Jacoby Brissett. So what stood out to me yesterday defensively, Jadevian Clowney and Miles Garrett are a problem. And <laughs> and the Browns were given, James Hudson was getting some first-team reps splitting with Chris Hubbard at right tackle, and he struggled with the speed of Jadevian Clowney. And that, that was pretty apparent on tape yesterday. Uh, Miles Garrett, they continued both of them to be in the backfield. And I think, you know, we hope with your tutelage, with Bill Callahan, with Peters, and and going against Miles, that that's going to prepare Jed Wills. It should only get easier for him on Sundays, which is a good thing. I thought the uh, there was a cool play that they ran, actually, and some of the stuff they were able to do with Deshaun Watson in terms of RPO. So they had an RPO inside zone handoff to the left. They had Jakeem Grant going in an orbit motion back him around him to the right that he looked at, and they came back and threw a tight end screen to the chief back to the left, and it was wide open, and it was a big play. And I think that's just some of the stuff they're able to do now, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, J-O-K, everywhere guy flies the ball. Greedy Williams having a great camp. I talked to Jeff Howard about him actually earlier today. He's having a great camp. He also singled out Greg Newsom. He said he is the smartest corner that yeah. I've ever been around, period. The, wow. He said he's already calling things out before they happen in ways that, you know, you'd want a coach to call them out. He's doing great. Uh, offensively, uh, Demetric and Jakeem Grant continue to have good camps. Felton did have a drop yesterday, but also had a couple of nice touchdowns in the red zone period. They did a lot of situational work, fourth down, third down, and then red zone. Um, Deshaun Watson's accuracy on full display. He had one yeah. to Harrison Bryant that there was a window as big as the football, and he had two touchdowns to Amari in the red zone period that were similar in terms of having to fit it in, and he did just that. Um, Brissett in the first, third, and fourth down period went four for four, all conversions, which was good to see. Um, and then you go back to Mike Woods. You mentioned him. He's having a phenomenal camp, and he's a guy that, you know, sixth round – wasn't super productive at Oklahoma. I think he had 400 yards receiving last year at Oklahoma. They had a weird quarterback situation, though, last year. It started with Spencer Rattler, who a lot of people right, thought was going to be the first round pick. Uh, first round pick. Uh, he he gets off to a rough start. They go uh, to the to the true freshman who comes in, Caleb Williams. That He ends up after USC. So just a weird year in large there. So I, that could have something we'll get to do with to what it. we're we'll get seeing. We'll it. get more into that. Here's Coach Stefanski now at the podium. Okay, should be a good day of work out here. We'll be in pads for the first time, uh, which, as you know, is an important next thing. Integrating the contact uh, forward to a, a good practice and, and making sure the guys continue to practice safe. Uh, and I thought they've done a nice job of that so far, taking care of each other. So should be a good day of, of work. Uh, as it relates to Deshaun, I'm sure you guys will have questions. Uh, I really don't have much more to add than what we talked about yesterday. Uh, I'll just continue to be respectful of this process. Uh, but with that, I'll take any questions. Kevin, you said yesterday that you would re read the report. Assuming you have now, did any of what Robinson, uh, what she put in that report, give you a pause about Deshaun? Uh, you know, Jake, I did read the report. Uh, like I told you, I would. Um, I'll continue to, to be respectful of Judge Robinson uh, and, and her ruling. Uh, and, and I think that's really where my focus is. Kevin, you guys have a lot of trust in Jacoby, as you've mentioned before. 
this is not the first time he's done this. He's come in suspension situations. He's been the starter. He's been the backup. What is it about his disposition that, that makes him ideal for this kind of a situation? You're right, Tom. He's been in some uh, different positions already in his young career. Uh, he has a very good way about him, as I'm sure you guys notice uh, just being around him for a little bit. Uh, very, very intelligent, uh, a, a very good leader, uh, has the ability to to make plays on the practice field, uh, help in the in the meeting room, uh, be accountable throughout the uh, weight room, if you will. He just he does all the all the right things. Now that uh, you, you have a data process Robinson's uh, ruling, do you have a better idea about how you're going to split up first team snaps going forward with Deshaun and Jacoby? Yeah, I think we're still kind of Jake in that place where we'll, we'll wait for more information. We'll stick to the plan that we have, uh, which uh, again we'll, we'll deal with that day to day. Do you have an update on Amari Cooper? Uh, Amari will be out today, but he'll, he'll be back uh, pretty soon, so he'll be okay. Kevin he was on the field yesterday, but you expect him to get on uh, a walk? Short, uh, Schwartz. Oh, Schwartz. Or Walker, both. <laughs> both the Anthony's. Uh, yeah, I think they're both progressing, uh, and, and they're on different timelines, but they're, uh, we'll see him soon. Kevin, today Jacoby said it didn't matter how many games. You know, he was pretty good or prepared to get ready. Talk about that mindset, and is that the one you guys were kind of following as well? Yeah, I think as we've talked about, there's uncertainty in, in our in this game, and and oftentimes it's it's injury related, and with that backup quarterback, you have to be ready to play at a moment's notice. And sometimes you have a heads up that you're going to be playing, and you get a week's worth of practice. Sometimes first quarter you're playing, and that's the nature of being a backup quarterback or a backup at any position. So, I think Jacoby's focus continues to be what it always is, and and that's to prepare himself to play, and that's prepare himself to play. You know, for today in this practice, but moving forward, you got to prepare yourself to play in every game. I know you said you'll have a plan for whoever's playing quarterback, um, but do you have an idea how much the plan would change when it goes from Deshaun to Jacoby? Say it one more time, Scott. Like, how big a difference will it be in what you call or what the plan oh. would look like from Deshaun to Jacoby? To You're saying like the game plan yeah. in particular? Uh, yeah, I think we're we have a pretty good understanding of both of their strengths, and then I think you use training camp in the preseason to solidify that game plan moving forward. But they're different players, so certainly you'd, you'd run some different plays. How important is chemistry in the quarterback room? Yeah, I think it's important in every room, Chris, uh, but that quarterback room is unique. You're, you're talking about a lot of football, and you're digging very deep into that rabbit hole of football, uh, and, and it really can become graduate level type stuff pretty quickly. So I think when you have a room that, that really pushes each other, challenges each other, uh, but also uh, respects each other. I think it's important. Kevin, you know, three injuries with that receiver group. How concerning is that? And uh, at, at some point here, are you going to have to bring in bring in some more depth, or are these injuries minor enough that you can continue on the way you have been? Amari will be back soon, so you know we'll deal with David and Anthony uh, appropriately. Kevin, first day of pads, you mentioned keeping everybody safe. Is there a message to the team beforehand? And also, are there any big changes from a padded practice to a uh, Yeah, there's certainly a message to the team, and, and they get that every night at team meetings. But it's really important that we're it's Browns versus Browns, so we have to get our work in, and it's a physical game. You can't shy away from that. Uh, but now's not the time to take you know, a quote-unquote cheap shot at, at your own teammate. Uh, so the pads shouldn't change that. The, your technique, whether you have pads on or shells on or helmets on, shouldn't change. You should be great posture. You should be using your hands, keeping your head out of it, all those type of things. So those that's what I'll be looking for during this practice and watching the tape to make sure that guys 
uh, stay true to their technique and their fundamentals. Is there a message about zero tolerance for fights? I think the guys understand uh, that we're out here to work, and that's kind of uh, One of the big not what we're here for. One of the big differences with Watson and Brissett is uh, Watson gives you more of a running quarterback option. This is Brissett doesn't do that as right. much. So what does that stress, what other part of your offense would that stress if you don't have that option? Yeah, I think it's a good point, Tony, and, and that's those are the conversations we're having. Uh, there are certain plays that you would run with Deshaun that you won't run with Jacoby. There's certain plays that Jacoby sees really well, maybe has a lot of reps on that Deshaun doesn't. So that's just part of our job as coaches is understanding that there's no shortage of plays you can run, but it's making sure that the players are comfortable running those plays. And Deshaun's one of the leaders of this team. Do you think it's important that he addresses questions Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm going to let Deshaun speak for himself when, when it comes to that. Uh, but uh, short of that, I don't much to add. I think he's, well, I think he'll speak with you at, with the media at some point when this when there's some uh, closure to this. Uh, but that's something that I'll let him speak to. What would you say Brissette's strong suits are, other than his experience in yeah. one games with three different teams? That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think size, arm strength, decision making uh, would be a few. Protecting the ball. Decision making. Uh, to me, that falls under decision making. With Amari, the ankle yesterday that he took. Yes. Okay. In Josh Rosen, I have not seen him take any reps with the team yet. Um, is it hard for him to compete when he's not getting those? He will. I think starting today, he will. Uh, we have to get all these guys ready appropriately. Josh Rosen just got here, so. And as you know, there's not a thousand reps to go around. You got to be real smart about how you do this. So the reps are coming, uh, but we're, we're taking uh, the long view in terms of the next couple of weeks with those guys and, and getting them ready. Kevin, when you look at Jacoby's skill set and just what he's been able to do in his career, especially he did three years ago when Andrew Luck abruptly retired and had to come and thrust it in that position, when you guys evaluated potential backups back in the spring, is that particular yeah, it really was the totality. Uh, just felt like it was a young player, uh, still young, young man for how many hats he's worn in his career, but a young player that we thought was talented that we felt uh, would add a lot to our room. With uh, these injuries you've dealt with, with your receivers, have any of these young guys uh, jumped out at you? Yeah, I, I've been real impressed with, with a lot of those young guys, Jeff, and I think. They work really, really hard, and when you play for Coach O'Shea, you better work hard. Uh, so we also got a head start with them, bringing them in a few days early. Uh, so I'd say I wouldn't single any guy out other than to say it's an impressive young group. Kevin, how yes. would you guys enforce that Deshaun sees only for clubs, massage therapists, and club-approved therapists? It seems like it might be kind of difficult to make sure that that's happening. Do you have a plan for that? Yeah, I, I think I'll let... Andrew Barry speak to that at the appropriate time, but certainly with that ruling uh, from Judge Robinson, that's obviously something that we'd abide by. And I was speaking with um, Josh Jobs today about quarterback cadences and how mm -hmm. important it is as backups to mimic it perfectly to help the offensive line. And he mentioned that you guys record it mm -hmm. in the helmets and they kind of review mm -hmm. it almost like a film study of playing it back and making sure everybody sounds the same. Right. Is that something new this year? Have you kind of always done that as in, in your coaching career? Well, I've done it in my Yes, I've, we did it previously at the Vikings. It's just, it's important. What you don't want is the backup gets in there with the offensive line 
and they're not used to that cadence because it may seem like a small thing, but you want everybody to get off at the same exact time. You don't want a popcorn get off, which AVP calls it, when one guy's getting off and then the next guy and then the next guy. So the way we've always done it is the backups are, it's their job to mimic the starter and to mimic the, uh, the spacing in between the cadences so that you don't really surprise the offensive line. So being able to record it and then sync it up with the video allows us every day to look at it and make sure that those guys are, are doing their job. Kevin, how's the team work? He's doing well. There he is. I can see him right there. Uh, you know, he, he's uh, he's doing a nice job. He's working hard. Had a good day yesterday. And he's, uh, Cade's got the right temperament. He just goes about his work, goes about his business. Okay. Good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Worthy thing coming out of there with the Amari Cooper that, that Amari will be down today, but coach made it seem like it'd be pretty quick he'd be back in the fold as soon as potentially tomorrow. Uh, so that was kind of something we were waiting on. Yeah, the thing that's uh, tough about that though is it's now it's a cumulative effect. If we were walking, you know, if this was day one of camp and everybody were healthy, you would say top four receivers for the Browns are Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Bell, and Anthony Schwartz. It is likely Bell still on the pup list. I don't think we'll see Anthony Schwartz today. So you will be without three of those yeah. top four guys, and you're trying to get good work in in the passing game for Deshaun Watson and for Jacoby Brissett, and, and now you won't have those guys. We mentioned Mike Woods, how he has stepped up. Demetric Felton has taken advantage of these opportunities. But, you know, Woods is the guy. He's got the size, right? He's 6'2". He's a long strider. He's able to create separation. Uh, I actually talked with Chad O'Shea earlier today about him after watching uh, yesterday's practice, and he said, you know, he's just he's got a great play style. He said he plays faster uh, than his timed speed. He's catching the ball very well, and, frankly, he's making the most of his opportunities. And now with the pads coming on, that's something you want to see if that continues. And they're also very impressed with the fact that He's mastered the playbook and that nothing is too big for him, and that's a really important thing, obviously, especially, you know, now he's probably going to be asked to play multiple positions today with the injuries, but, you know, our, our first three receivers out could be DPJ, Woods, and Demetric Felton or Jakeem Grant, which is not what you expected it to be, and again, you know, you're down those guys. Javon Wims, who has some size, who started seven games in the league with the Bears, you know, he is out with an illness, so that's, it's a wide receiver room that is – was probably the biggest question mark room on offense yeah. coming into this, and it's already a question mark now, and, and you wonder how long do you wait before you say, do we need to get somebody in here? Because what you've seen has been good, though. Abari's been great. DBJ's yeah. been great. We haven't seen Bell. He was very good in the spring. Um, we haven't really seen Schwartz in this period, but Woods is stepping up. Felton stepping up. Grant stepping up. It's still tough, though. You, got, you need guys to run routes. You got one-on-ones. You need guys to give the DBs good work and good looks, and that comes from having your best players out there and iron sharpening iron, and unfortunately that won't happen today on the first day of pads. Yeah, it's starting to stack, right? It's At a lot. Position, it's a lot uh, early on here. Uh, and, Joe, with that, to, to Nathan's point, though, comes great opportunity for some of these younger guys. You want to – I mean, this is, this is going to be a tough roster to make, and now you're going to be playing with the ones at receiver catch yeah. passes from Deshaun Watson today. You know, it's a great opportunity now for those other guys to make a big impression, not only on the coaching staff, but on the quarterbacks, the yeah. guys that are going to be throwing the football, all of a sudden you make a couple good plays and you're on the same page with Watson and Brissett. And he goes back and he's sitting in the meeting room with Kevin Stefanski and he goes, man, I was just on the same page with this guy all day. Like him and I were both thinking the same thing. We were seeing the same thing out there. And all of a sudden Kevin's like, hey, man, maybe we should give him some more reps even when Amari does come back, even when some of these other guys are out there practicing. Let's see what he does when he's out there and, and give him more opportunities and so that's 
a lot of times the stories that you get in training camp because every training camp that I've ever been around, the ones that I played in, now just the ones that I've covered, injuries are always a big story because they always happen. No matter what type of yeah. a training camp you have, whether it's a powder puff or an Eric Mangini, two-a-day, three hours per practice beatdown session, you're just going to have injuries. It's just part of the game, and it seems like that receiver room is always the one that accumulates injuries earlier on in camp because those are the guys that do the most high-speed sprinting. They're the guys that have – the, the hamstrings that just tweak a little bit, and they're the, they're the racehorses, right? Yep. They're the guys that they have to be at 100% to be able to effectively do their jobs, unlike the big hog mollies like myself and some of those guys out there. Hey, if we're at 80%, as long as we're hitting our techniques, we can go out and put in a good practice, and it's okay that we're not able to run our 5040 that we ran on the combine day because <laughs> that's just not something you see on the field out there in real live football. I see the great Steve right. Weish walking yeah, he's making over. his way so, over. Uh, we, we've spent all of this time talking about the news today with our team. There's enormous news in the NFL today as well in regard to the Miami Dolphins. We'll get Steve's uh, view of that and, and, of course, the news of yesterday as well. He joins us coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers for Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Bo, Nathan, the Hoff, and one of our favorites, Steve Weiss. Network. We really are loaded up. Take a yep. round table Goodness here. Gracious. Steve, quiet. couple days in the league. Yeah. Quiet. couple of days. <laughs> yeah. How was your morning? For us, no, for sure. no, no news, you know, at all. Only news is, like, Joe is down to about 180 now. <laughs> How about, right? I, I wish. Mean, just a chisel. I mean, these, I'm uh, trying to get Cleveland there, but the, but the 5 a.m. hot yoga, I, I can't get I can't get with it. Oh, you're missing out. I'm telling you, all you have to do is take it once, and you'll be a believer. Then you're in. Changes lives. Steve, This uh, the news of the day in the NFL, this this, this thing out of Miami, pretty big, man. Yeah. I know you've been doing it all morning. Um, we've been talking about everything that's going on about, around here. Just from, from your perspective, what the NFL did today to Stephen Ross and, Dolphins and the Dolphins. Yeah, th- there's a lot of things to it. Uh, to unpack here but the first off the league has been really hammered for not coming down on owners as it does on players right this is you know look was it last year the fine they gave to daniel snyder said your wife can run the team Mm -hmm. people are like please for all of the you know alleged transgressions that's nothing well this to stephen ross where they're taking away a first round draft pick and a third round draft pick for tampering which clearly everybody cooperated on because they have all the evidence saying that he illicitly spoke to Sean Payton to be his coach and for Tom Brady to be a player and potential executive without getting permission from their teams. Doing it front channel instead of back channel, as I said on air, that's akin back to the day of the football coach going and paying the recruit instead of having the bag man do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's beautiful. So, so I mean, that that's what it is. Now, they, they didn't get it for tampering. You know, Brian Flores said, look, you know, he said he'd offer me $100,000 for I – mean, I'm sorry, for tanking. $100,000 for every loss so we can increase our draft position. But they said that conversation happened. Mm. But they said that Stephen Ross said it in jest. Wow. And so, you know, still, but here's, here's where the punishment of the first and third round draft picks are. Dolphins have two first round draft picks. But suppose things don't work out for Tua this year when they have all this talent. Are they, do they have enough freight to get back to the top end of the first round now to get a high draft pick? They, I think they've got two second-round picks and two, and, and now one first-round pick, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a maybe now. So instead of hey, saying, hey, the salary cap space, we're going to resign someone else, we've got to go out in the free agent market and get one of these quarterbacks who might become available. So that's where it could be damaging. 
And who does that impact most? Does it impact Stephen Ross the most? No. That could affect the players, the coaches, and the team the most. And that's the unfair part about how this could all play out. Tua has a great year. They don't have to worry about that part so much. But, I mean, the fact that the league finally said we're going to crack down on an owner at least shows, you know, cynical public that, okay, they do have some spine to police their own. In light of everything else that's going on, is this timing coincidental? Is it – Well, what do you think about that? It, it's coincidental in a part of – Okay, let's get this out of the way before we get to these preseason games. We start sure. Thursday up in Canton at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Where right? you're headed shortly. Where I'll be headed shortly. Yeah. But there's, all, you know, there's always laundry that's going to be washed. Now, I think to the point of your question is to move the needle off of Cleveland to Miami. I don't think you know, they're going to say, oh, hey, Cleveland's getting banged up. And this is Sean Watson. Things getting banged up. Let's go ahead and move it down to Miami so people will stop talking about the Bronx. Because people aren't. I mean, this is, a, this is an issue – that strikes at a lot of nerves other than football. Yep. So people are going to continue to talk about this no matter what. So I, I don't think it necessarily was a league saying, okay, boy, let's let's get the Browns off the news cycle. Let's take it down to Miami. I, I don't think, you know, that that's part of the play. But I, meant it more well from, I meant it more from the standpoint of that was one of the big the talking points, right, is that players were not getting punished like yes. owners. Oh, here, watch, now we're going to go punish so, an owner. So, so here's, here's, a, here's a great point, though, okay? So in Sue Robinson's discipline of Deshaun Watson, the six-game suspension, she said part of her factoring was he, he seemed to show no remorse throughout this process. And Stephen Ross's response, his statement today, his yeah. statement <laughs> to the punishment, the first thing he does is come out and talk stuff on Brian Flores mm. saying we were cleared of his defamatory remarks and this and that about tanking. No. They admitted that you said it, <laughs> right? But the fact that that's the first, that that's what you lead with, instead of saying I apologize to our fans for losing yeah, the draft pick, no and yeah. possibly no remorse, no remorse, no acceptance of responsibility, when again they clearly had people on the inside cooperating who confirmed that he had these conversations with Tom Brady, with Sean Payton, and that he offered Brian Flores a hundred thousand dollars to lose ball games. It's a remarkable thing, guys, that Brady was trying to orchestrate too, right? <laughs> like the greatest player of all time, the the retirement, a ruse to back-channel Miami. It doesn't sound to back-channel, but here's where there's a little bit of a wet blanket on that. They said these conversations started in 2019. With the Patriots. Been going on with the Patriots. Yeah, that long, been right. with the Patriots. So, you know, look, we all know there's back-channel conversations all the time. And Stephen Ross – may have a legit argument saying, hey, him and Tom Brady are both Michigan, Michigan alums. Yeah. They do a lot of things together, so these conversations happen. Look, I covered the NBA for years. Pat Riley was talking to everybody. Hey, you sure you don't want to come? Hey, LeBron, you know, hey, hey, LaTrell Sprewell, you sure you don't want to? Yeah. Okay, just joking. So, you know, that's that. But, you know, Roger Goodell's statement saying they've never seen such a flouting of these principles and rules like they've seen in this case. Again, it is it is SMU where the head football coach <laughs> gave Eric Dickers, excuse me, gave a player the money and not the bag man. It's unbelievable. And it, you're right with the back I mean, you go to the combine in Indy, any place you walk into, that's all that's happening That's all the entire is. time for yeah. four days. It's back channel conversations. It's a lot, wild. Of, lot, of, lot of shadows. Joe, you never had any of those, did you? 
Never needed to. Never oh, oh get out of here. He's here the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Wisconsin. You know, oh, you, USC or nobody was floating anybody. Yeah, yeah. The, nobody wanted the uh, offensive lineman from Wisconsin who was 245 pounds as a senior in high school. <laughs> Their loss. Their loss. That's right. Steve, Steve we, um, we obviously the news, the other news of the week, obviously, is the suspension of Deshaun. Sure. Um, we're now on a timetable now of will the league appeal. Um we kind of laid out, we spent a lot of time on this yesterday, we spent a lot of time on this for the past few months, um, Where the how this is such a tricky play for the NFL here with precedent, uh, with process of basically telling a federal judge, actually, we know better than you. Um, and by the way, she did rule in their favor pretty strongly in the NFL's favor. People might not like the length of the suspension, but in terms of what she found, she ruled in their favor. What do you think this goes from here? Oh, Can I – Look, I've got no inside science on it, but I would expect the NFL to appeal. Okay. Just because for the longest, they've been saying they've wanted him out for at least a season. And, you know, they want to show after the debacle that was how the league handled Ray Rice that they're serious about anything involving women, whether domestic violence, you know, sexual uh, misconduct, whatever. They want to show it serious. So I do think that they will appeal this. Now, will they say we want to add six more games? Do we want to add one and fine him $10 million? Remember, there was no financial penalty mm -hmm. with Sue Robinson's initial discipline. So that could determine as to whether the union steps up and says, hey, no, 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 we're going to take this into federal court, which is, as you said, potentially tricky. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. even though in the appeal it is not about new evidence, new findings, it is about the process of how Sue Robinson came to her findings. If it gets into federal court and they're disputing stuff, you better believe that these lawyers for the NFLPA, who are very good, are going to bring up some of the owner behavior right. and things like that. Even if it doesn't necessarily affect the decision, they can say it's relatable and blah, blah, blah. And there could be some potential shaming that nobody wants out there. So, again, I, I think just based on past situations – the league will appeal this. It just any the, the additional discipline I think will be will will show is this something that could be settled after any potential addi additional discipline, or are we taking this to federal court? Which in case they'll put in you know an injunction. For, okay, Deshaun said, okay, well I'm going to play until you rule on this, and maybe it doesn't end until midseason or the end of the season. Like I said in 2017, year, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott went through this, played the first eight games of the regular season before his six game suspension kicked in. So those are all factors that are in play. There's a handful of owners that perceivably have the most amount of influence over Roger Goodell. Right. And the league matters, and a few of those owners are ones that have been marred in similar type allegations and issues. And so how much do you think Roger Goodell right now is putting weight into what they're telling him about, hey, maybe we should just let this go away. We've set up this process so that we have some space between this decision and what we have put out there to the public, what we'd want, which would be a one or more year suspension. But because this impartial judge made this decision, we can just stand behind that and then move on because we don't want any of our dirty laundry being aired in the public any more than it already has that's, that's, if it goes to a, a lawsuit in the courts. That, that, that's, that's such a great point because, like you said, there are some owners with influence whose names have been mentioned with you know, certain things. So I don't know if they even need to say anything mm -hmm. to Roger Goodell you know, or make a phone call. This could be something where, hey, let's just protect the league here. I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner anymore, that being right. Roger Goodell. We did have 
a neutrally designed arbiter make this decision. That is her call. We're going to respect it. Because the NFLPA already came out and said they're going to respect it. So is that the process that was collectively bargained? The NFL still has, you know, that appeal hammer where Roger Goodell could be the appellate officer. I think if they do appeal, he'll have a designee do that. Again, I think he'll stay out of something like this. But it's hard to tell. But just based on precedent, I think the NFL, you know, they're not afraid of a court battle. That's Thursday, 9 a.m., right? Yes. Tomorrow at 9 a.m. on that. Wow. Two days, yeah. two days. Which will be, again, Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Two days. Jeez, I just want the two week more. Yeah, you're like, this is us there. Hey, my, ca my, calendar, so my calendar's when the game starts. I know in two days it's I'll be at the Hall of Fame game. Right. Well, right. Right. right, and that's the thing. That morning is the morning of the Hall of Fame game, the official kickoff to the season. And so it, it, it does it, – it's a, it's a wild thing. I think tricky is a very good word for it. It is a very difficult to negotiate situation and – I think everybody just wants it, whatever it is, to be over. I'm just curious, going back to the original, and I don't know if you remember this or maybe you from talking to JC, why did both sides agree to the appeal part after? If you're going to get an independent arbitrator and everybody's going to agree on it, why would anybody want to have the right to appeal that if it was the same on both sides? Well, I mean, I think, again, it's just like in our court system. If somebody comes in and they're represented by a lawyer who they feel didn't represent them adequately, they sure. have the right to appeal again maybe not new evidence but the way that they were represented sure or if they find that the way information was distributed or gathered or something like that they have the right to appeal it because they neglected certain things so you always want to have that appellate hammer and and so or that appellate option i should say so i i, I think because look this could work the other way for sure. suppose the league came out or, or she came out and said we're taking it a full season well you don't think the players union is going to say no no that's too much we're going to appeal and see if we can get this brought down to at least half that. So, again, this, it's just that the door is swinging a certain way as opposed sure. you well, know, to the other. I think if the NFL does decide to appeal, though, that sets up a battle for the next CBA with the NFL Players Association saying, we're okay with an appeals process, but the idea of appealing to the person that works for the league that is essentially saying – this is, should be a greater suspension or a greater fine or whatever it is, is not an appeal process that is fair and unbiased like we want. However, it did come out of the process where Roger Goodell was the judge, jury, and executioner. Right. Right. So the, the ball got moved a little bit, but it didn't get moved all the way to complete right. fairness in the appeals process. So remember this. If it's a designee or whomever, they can lessen the punishment. We've seen even when players say get suspended for four games, We've seen, you know, an appellate person come in and say, I think Derek Brooks is one right. of the appeal officers yep. for the league and lessen the suspension. I don't think that would be the case here, especially since Roger Goodell <laughs> yeah. could be that guy. Yeah. And they've been claiming they want it for a year, and I don't think his designee is going to be someone. They're going to say, hey, let's give it to somebody who may cut the discipline. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's sure. it's – you know, the CBA, look, the NFL PA and NFL have to have something to fight about, Joe, right? Yeah, that's right. So there you go. The lawyers need to bill some hours. That's right. For sure. <laughs> Steve, it is always all a, lawyers. a great pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thanks for yes. your time today. Appreciate you guys. Great friend of the program, Steve Weish, NFL Network, joining us. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
All right, second hour here on a Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, lots of news around the National Football League. The news for us right here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus is that the Cleveland Browns are out on the field in full pads. And the group in front of us right here, Mr. Zagura and Mr. Hoff, includes many luminaries for the future of this football team who are, who are sitting this one out. Yeah, it does. Well, currently on the pup list, you've got Denzel Ward, Anthony Walker Jr., and Sheldon Day who are on the bikes right now. And then... Some of the notables, and I imagine for Jack Conklin, as he was eased back in, activated from the pup, he's on the sideline. And then two of the notables, Jadevian Clowney, who's, by the way, been dominant in the early portion of camp. Yeah, They know what they've got. They know what he is. We yeah. don't need to. He's getting a little Hoff treatment right now, yeah. which is there's nothing wrong with that. And then you got Anthony Schwartz battling his way back uh, as well. And I think Amari uh, Reggie Robinson there. and then Amari yeah. Cooper, who we've talked about, was down with that ankle injury. What do you, what's, and going back to your days, you got a veteran like Jadevian Clowney. You want him ready for the regular season, period. He's had a great showing so far. You want, Do you want to work with the veterans? Is that something that you think is a smart idea, just to make sure that the guys that you know are the guys, you know who they are, that they're ready for the games, not necessarily for training camp? You mean from a coaching standpoint? Yeah, and yeah. just from a from a yeah. wear and tear, from yeah. a – from a use, a utilization standpoint. Well, I, I think that's one of the benefits of having the same coaching staff year in and year out and having a lot of the same faces is because you build that trust, that player-coach relationship that becomes a bond where you can talk to a guy and you trust if he's telling you, like, hey, my body doesn't feel right today. I think I need to take this one off and maybe come out tomorrow where maybe it was reversed on the plan. Like, whatever it is, like, working with those players, knowing that you can trust what they're telling you and it's not just BS where they're just trying to – you know, shirk their responsibilities because they don't want to practice because it's too hot or whatever. So I think building that relationship is key, and that's one of the big uh, benefits I see of Kevin Stefanski as a coach is he's done a really good job forging those bonds with all the players on the team and, and the guys that are here from year to year to be able to have that trust, to be able to have them come to him and say, hey, you know what? I think today I just need to take a day off. I don't feel right. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to put the team in jeopardy. I know my plan. And from a coaching standpoint, he knows. This guy knows what it takes to get himself ready to be at his best when the first game of the season comes. And now, granted, you still want to have those guys out there, even if they know how to get themselves ready, because their presence helps get the guys around them sure. ready and starts building that camaraderie and that coordination that you have to have amongst units so there is a benefit even outside of just getting yourself ready when you're out there because you're helping the guys around you as well. Yeah, no doubt. I would imagine, I'm guessing this was a pre-planned yeah. already day off for them that they just kind of have their way they're going to go about it. Oh, mon frere. How are you? Good to see you. Oh. That's right. Mo Pedman's cousin in, in attendance. Love it. Love to see it. Love to I see like it. I like how we, we got to get this. As a yeah. <laughs> You're not. You're only on camera, though, so no big you're deal. Safe. You're safe. You're safe, pal. You're safe. You're safe. <laughs> Nothing to see here, pal. You're great fine. Ken Nothing Carmen to see. visiting, the, blessing um, us with his presence. But you're right about about Clowney. You know, uh, even going back to earlier on in his career, he's had he's had a knee injury with yep. some wear and tear issues, and so for a guy like that, it, it was a lot like me in my career. We knew that you know you only have so much cartilage in your knee, and that cartilage only lasts so long before it gets very angry during a season, and if the swelling becomes so great that even draining it and putting medicine in there can't reduce it, then you can't play it and you have to sit, right? So you have to gauge, like, how much is in that tank 
referring to the knee during the season that we want to push as much as we can now but we want to make sure we got everything left in the tank so that the tank runs dry after the very last game of the season not somewhere in the middle in your career here there were times where you were given coaches were giving you the days off and stuff like that and people would I felt like there was a lot of criticism about it and then you go out and play a great season it's like <laughs> did you ever as a player do you even think about that or hear that or get mad at that or were there times where they said you know you're off today you don't have practice today and you're like no I want to practice how does that go and how do you kind of like think through it? I, well, I, mean, I don't think it's bothered by it at all though he's probably no. annoyed that he's doing all of these things well they don't the make it right a, a walk in the park for the guys that are practicing like they're over here riding the air bike which is among the most miserable things you can possibly do <laughs> and it's not in a air-conditioned tent unlike no. where we're sitting here in the sauna they're out there in the blazing hot sun they're doing the the air bike they're doing the nice rower circuit, they're doing like the you skier. did earlier today like it's very painful what they're doing so it's not like uh, it, they're getting off easy but to your point the people that gave me the most crap were my uh, line mates right and so even though the Tony Grozies and some of the guys in the local media, there was definitely some jealousy because I got to golf more than him during training camp. And <laughs> so it bothered him. And he, him and some other people tried to frame it as if I was getting days off because I was tired. No, it was because I had a really bad left knee. And I had knee surgery after every season to clean it up. And I still do. I mean, it's, one, it's the reason I retired. Um, and so we had this plan from the beginning of OTAs where I would work with the doctors and the trainers to try to, like I just mentioned with Jatevian, is we knew that this knee only had so much beatings that it could take during the season before it just had to get shut down because it would swell up so much that even after draining, you know, 100 cc's of fluid, you still couldn't bend it, you know? So, so you had to figure out, all right, where do we want to use these? Yeah, when it matters. 1,000 reps, right? Do we want to use them in training camp? Sure, you could use 800 reps in training camp, and then you get to the second game of the season, and then you're done the rest of the season, right? So about, I want to say, year eight or nine, when the knee started getting worse and worse, was when we kind of came up with that, that game plan. Like, all right, here, and, and I worked with them. I said, hey, these are the number of practices that I think I need to be able to get myself ready. Granted, I would much rather be out there practicing having laughs and playing slap ass with my buddies out there, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, and Alex Max, rather than over here doing the air bike. But it was just not the reality of your situation when your body is getting banged up later in your career, and you, and you try to be smart about it because it's much better to waste your snaps during the games on Sundays than it is to waste them during training camp when they're meaningless. We're talking about practice. We're we talking are talking about practice. About practice. And, the, 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 and the reason that it's it's because it, it is it's different, I think, for a guy in their first or second year. Of course, than it is. Well, obviously, they need for a hop too. Of like there is a trust that has been built. They know who you are mm -hmm. as a person. Yeah. They know that you are going to show up on Sunday and That's dominate, right. and you don't need all of this to do it. And so the notion, and I, 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 it's such a tired thing that I see all the time of that. It's something that ever. It's like such a crutch that people go yeah. to to talk about. Oh, he's on this. He's on this. You don't think number 90 over there knows what it takes it's one thing yeah. if you get to sunday and he doesn't know how to play right he's not going to forget how to play football yeah right he knows what it takes to be ready for sundays and, and for me it's interesting i i'm a big swimmer now and that's actually where i look not that i learned to swim but i learned to swim as exercise because I, I knew how to swim to survive but sure. swim for exercise because my knee was so bad my last two years really that you need that I couldn't even yeah. do the bike to get myself ready. Really? So I had to get in the pool and swim laps. That was the only exercise I could get to build my cardiovascular. Because right? it's literally no impact. 
and there's really no bend in your knee um, in order to get my cardiovascular shape up to be able to play in an NFL game. So I was actually doing the swimming to try to get in shape for a football season because I couldn't, my knee was so bad I couldn't even do the skier or the bike. I couldn't even stand around at practice because of the impact on that cartilage. By the way, in the summer workout, a lot of the cardio at the end is, oh, yeah, go swim 30 laps, <laughs> which I was a swimmer. I was a competitive yeah. swimmer for a long time, but now as a man in my 40s, like going in there and just trying to go 30 straight laps is it's a great workout. It's, it's a good workout. It's you versus drowning. You know, Mike Patton <laughs> always used to say it's you versus your great sheet. But one thing I love about swimming, you versus drowning. there's no option to fail. It's no. you versus the bottom of the pool. Right. <laughs> Joe, what is uh, what is this is our first day. The team's out here getting loose, uh, getting ready to go, going through some positional stuff. Uh, first day in pads. Away we go. A lot of anxiousness, right? I, I always think when I, when I was getting ready for a training camp, the two periods that I was the most nervous and anxious for was the conditioning test because you knew you were going to pass, but there was that little part of you like, what happens if my groin gets tied or my hamstring gets tight? And then the cascading thoughts in your head of, well, now the coach is going to think I didn't put in my work in the summer. Now my teammates are going to feel like I was just being a lazy you know, you know what? And I was mailing it in all summer, and I'm not ready for the season. And of course, uh, what Mike Pettin? Oh no, I think it was Pettin. He ended up bringing the media out for the oh, conditioning yeah. test. If you guys remember that. Oh. So now, not oh, only are you being I? humiliated in front of the, your peers and your coaches and the uh, scouts upstairs, the ownership, but now you got the media's out there taking oh, yeah. pictures of you if you <laughs> fail. So there was always a lot of trepidation regarding the con conditioning test. But the second one that brought the most uh, trepidation was the first day in pads because it's the first day you're really testing your conditioning. You're, it's the first day you're smashing skulls and you're getting back on the bike and you're riding because it's a different game when there's blood, sweat, and shoulder pads on the line than there is when you're just wearing helmets and there's no risk, there's no downside if you don't do your job. I love it, and I think I made this analogy before, but I love it. I think everybody that had to go against you in a one-on-one -on -one was a lot more nervous about the first day of padded practice than you were. <laughs> He's like, and it's like Seinfeld. You watch that documentary, The Comedian, and he was, am I funny? Is this funny? I don't know if I'm even funny anymore. Is that, right, am I going right. to fail? Am I going to go out there and bomb? Are they going to not laugh at any of my jokes? Like, you're Jerry Seinfeld. You're the Hoff. Get the pads on. Let me embarrass some people and go about my business. Get back in the pool. It's the, the doubts, the fuel, though, the right? Doubt, absolutely. The doubts, the fear. You got to have that. You have to have it. If so you don't, all the greats do. They I've have a little to bit of. Some some of the other people that I worked with in media that didn't play football, um, and shared some of those experiences, and and it's almost a relief when I tell them that they're like, "Cause it's you, you ten Pro Bowls, and you still had that." And I was like, "Yeah, but by the time I was in year eight, nine, and ten, I learned to appreciate that." Because that's what fueled me and gave me the energy to prepare and to go do the long hours and the things that maybe the guy that's already done it a few times isn't doing, and then he's not able to maintain it, right? And, and I always say, too, like, when I would get nervous before a game, I actually liked that. Yeah. Because that nervousness was able to transition and morph into energy and focus when the ball got snapped and when the game was kicked off, whereas – in a preseason game, if you don't have that, it's difficult to have that energy and that focus that you need to be able to get up. Huff, Jordan manufactured it. Right. Yeah. He made That's it exactly up right. out of the clear blue sky. Doubt. He made it seem like people thought he wasn't great when he was universally yeah. known right. as the greatest. Look at Brady to the, the end. Like, Same thing. Oh, no one thinks I'm good. Wait, yeah, right. what? You yeah, and he still flew him to his Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> right. to, to tell him. Yeah, yeah, I remember when you did remember this to me. Yeah. To me? Yeah. No, Wait, I actually what? didn't do that. Yeah. But, but actually, we all thought you were the best ever from the probably yeah. year three. Remember when you disrespected <laughs> me, Brian Russell? <laughs>
No, I no, don't. I don't. I don't remember it that way at all, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was uh, available earlier today. We will have that for you and continue to set some sights and, t- and, and sounds of camp here as the guys are out here in full pads. Here's just a little side note. Grant Delpit continues to be the coolest you can look in a uniform. He, he just continues great. to be the coolest you can he look. Looks, it's uh, just uh, – Listen, they th- you heard John Johnson called him the glue in that safety room. Oh, they, th- wow. they think yeah. he is going to mm. be a star mm. this year, and that would be – that will be the biggest feather in our draft yeah. caps ever, the uh, Grant Delpit when we lost oh, our minds. That would be so much fun. You're listening Back in the Zoom days. That's right. You're, you're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams. You can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath or a spa-like experience. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler, expert, factory trained installers. Give them a call now. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. Again, folks, it's where affordability meets quality. They get the largest selection of bath projects in the area. Now you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. Again, folks, it's where affordability meets quality. They get the largest selection of bath projects projects in the area they're all made in the united states simply put superior products with expert installers the bath authority and gentlemen we have 11 on 11 here we out do at the ccmc yeah it'll be interesting to see how this is played out right now but we've got 11 on 11 with jadevian clowny out alex Wright, our third round pick is in that starting lineup opposite miles garrett at the defensive end position we know that there's no denzel ward aj green is out there uh with mj emerson at one corner greg newsom Good at night, the other nurse. side and Nick Chubb doing what Nick Chubb does. Looks like he is shot out of a I cannon mean, it, right there. I mean, he looks like – I know it's crazy because he does this every year. It seems like he's on almost another level this year early in camp. He's so shot out of a cannon. Every time I see him do something, it's like that. So the play that got your attention yesterday. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was watching away. the tape, and it almost looked like – because, you know, the, the cameras they use to shoot the all-22 are not necessarily – it's not like high def, so sometimes they kind of look like they skip or blur out, and he was blurring out over the line because it felt like he was moving so fast. We see a little misdirection and then a little dump down to Kareem Hunt, who, again, so valuable, almost 100 total yards a game and a touchdown in those first six last yeah. year. And, and the Browns really felt, you know, his absence, and now he's healthy and he's back. And we were talking about injuries earlier. On the offense, no tight ends have missed any time, no running backs have missed any time. No offensive lineman other than Jack Conklin, who's ahead of schedule off of the pup of missed time in the quarterbacks. It's really been only in that receiver room. And we talked about how it's a real opportunity. You know, it's a dual-edged sword when you get these opportunities, right? You can prove that you can cut the mustard and get more opportunities, or you can also prove that <laughs> you, can't. you can't, and they're going to have to find somebody else to come in here and see if they can. Yeah, Romeo Cornell would always talk to us about the importance of practice and training camp and for the veterans, you got to prove that you can still do it. For the rookies, you got to prove that you can do it for the first time. But it does cut the other way when you think about it like that. Hey, this is your opportunity, and we are putting all of our evaluation eggs in this basket because this is the first time and maybe the last time we see you in this role if you don't make the most of it. 
Yeah, now, Greedy Williams so far right now, he's in his pads, he's out there, but he's not with that first-team defense, as I imagine. You know, still going, coming back from that shoulder injury, was able to play very well for the Browns last year. No harness this year, which they're very excited about. And uh, as we see, Deshaun play action. They've got A.J. Green and M.J. M- Emerson. M.J. Emerson's 23. Yeah, he looks yeah. tall and yes, long and lean. Little dump down to Jakeem Grant, and that's what he does in space. He's well, just he so electric. he disappears, doesn't he? So you lose him in the mix. Here's something that I was doing my research, getting ready in the notes off, that blew my mind today. And maybe you had this, and I will applaud that immediately. Mm-hmm. So Jakeem Grant, obviously we know what he is as a returner. He holds multiple franchises, return records, six return touchdowns in his career, was a pro bowler, all pro, all of that. 500, 505 yards, three touchdowns as a receiver the last two seasons alone. Going back to his college, he's the all-time leading receiver in Texas Tech history. Wow. Boy, I wouldn't have had that with Crabtree and Crab all Tree. the passing they'd had yeah. those years. So he played with Crab Mahomes. Oh, uh, well, that helps. threw for 701 games. That, that helps. But, I mean, it's over 3,000. It's like 3,000. Yeah, so he was his guy. yards. Yeah, but I thought immediately it had been Crabtree. It had been the first thing I would yeah. have guessed, and then I probably thought there would be other people that I hadn't heard of. Yeah. Jakeem Grant is the I would not all have had that, time no. leading receiver in Texas Tech history. I would not have had that. Uh, no. No, but he was—I mean—he was there at a great time. And I'll tell you, on that play right there, you see what he can do. His stature is such that it's almost like he gets lost. It's like he's on right. He's small, and his ability to change directions and accelerate immediately is very interesting. Uh, and, and I think it's what makes him exceptional in as a return guy. His ability to stop and then start on a dime and accelerate quickly and, and make those big returns. He holds the longest return in both both uh, Chicago Bears and Miami Dolphins franchise history. Yeah. How interesting that Devin Hester did not hold that record for, for a punt Bears. return. For a punt return, Hester has the longest kick return ever. Kick return ever, yeah. So Jakeem Grant, because I don't think maybe even as good as Devin Hester was, I don't know that he ever had the audacity to field a punt at his own three, <laughs> as Jakeem Grant did last year when he Certainly went. Certainly not. When he football. went, nine, Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator, said go. was uh, you know a little nervous about that at the time, and then all of a sudden, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. yes. Kind of like that guy taking the deep three. No, what? Yeah. Yeah. All right, great uh, shot, yes. great shot, kid. But well, I was thinking about when. You're considering what makes a great returner, right? It's the combination of vision, yep. fearlessness, yep. right? Because with the return game, it's a lot different than if you're just a running back in the backfield where you've only got seven yards of steam and the, the linebackers are four or five yards from the line of scrimmage. So, you know, you're talking about 11, 12, 13 yards, maybe guys running at each other. But in the return game, you're talking about 40, 50, 60, nearly the entire field where these guys are uh, getting an opportunity to get up to steam. And you got to be able to find – with your vision, where that crack is, and then fearlessly hit it. Because if there's any hesitation, that hole closes. And that's where Josh Cribbs excelled the most. Obviously, Cribbs being a little bit of a different body style as a returner. Taller. Much yep. taller, much bigger, but just as fearless as Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant has that quickness, that agility to be able to get up the field and make all the guys that are trying to tackle the returner think that that's the hole he's going to hit, and then he can easily bounce it out to another hole. And I think that's what makes him – very, very dangerous as a return man, and that's what's made him so effective. Jacoby Brissett there getting a rep with the starters. He threw a little screen to Nick Chubb that was blown up by Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, yeah. who has been all over You'll the field to see since he has been here yeah. in this camp, and really since he joined the Browns, an incredible rookie season he had, and now they, they are expecting even more from him here in year number two. But it is fun to see those pets. But you mentioned Josh Cribbs. That's the last time that the Browns had a kick return touchdown. 
Yeah. You remember the game? Yeah. Kansas, Kansas City, City had 2009. He had game. two of them in that game. How remarkable. The that last was. time we had a punt return touchdown was Travis Benjamin, oh, yeah. week the, two the against rabbit. Tennessee. I remember that one as well. That was a Johnny Manziel oh. game. Right? It was Johnny a John football. football. That was Johan. That was uh, Josh McCown, I believe, it got knocked out in the opener against the Jets yeah, the by Demario game. Davis. That's right. And then John Football started that game, and yes. they ended up getting the win in that one. And Deshaun just, man, he's so Travis He just throws it into it's tight windows. So it's just easy. Simple. It just darts. He just darts it in there. Um, I, I tell you, the, the other thing, you know, we I saw Preef earlier today. Yep. He's just thrilled right the now. Biggest by the biggest smile. Way. Oh, God. You know, we talked yesterday about, you know, He's never J- been happy. Jacoby, the first six games at, as the suspension stands. And, um, you know, what does that look like? What is this? And then you start to think about all three phases. You think about an entire roster. And you think about, we've talked so much about what we've done defensively. I saw a little bit. Cade York didn't miss yesterday. Just six booming, of six, including booming. a 51 yarder just that was good from 90. Stride out there, strides out there, just blast. And you just go, boy, every phase has been checkmarked. They're all checkmarks. And, and now that one is. And that you talk about Grant, York. We've always been an elite coverage unit uh, under Mike Prefer. That has been true. But we have been, and we had great punting under Cole. I mean, because yeah. uh, without, you know. One of the great Coles of all time. If not the greatest. Yeah. But we have not been explosive in the return game. We haven't really changed the field that way. And we, you know, the hammer could beat the ball a little bit. But you got to go back to Andy Lee being here when we had a punter that really was a weapon. Mm-hmm. And, and now you've got guys, you know, Bajorquez last year set the franchise record for the Packers in terms of uh, the average yards per punt over 48. Two years ago, led the league at uh, over 50. You know, Charlton can boom it as well. We've got punters who can boom it. We've got a kicker now who can boom it and, and has been great so far, 12 of 12 at training camp. And then you get a, re- a guy who's had a return touchdown four straight years. You think about the fact that we haven't had a kick return touchdown in 13. We haven't had a punt return touchdown in seven. Like, that's a big deal. That has yeah. a chance to be the difference between winning and losing a game somewhere during the season. And, you know, too often last year it was a missed field goal here, a missed extra point there, derail some momentum. We never generated anything. I mean, you were here in, what, I want to say it was 14 when all of a sudden we threw your buddy from Wisconsin, Jim Leonard, back there as a punt catcher. We didn't even have a punt returner. We just had a a designated (laughs) punt punt catcher. catcher. He had good hands. Great hands. They put him back there. Not a a big return guy. Ooh. No, he was a catcher. Jerome Ford's got a little bit of wiggle in there real quick just uh, on that play there in the middle. He's got a little bit of something. I think a little bit of the kick return stats and the reason that they haven't had a, a kick return for a touchdown is the change in the rules, reception, right? right? Obviously, right. there's a lot more that uh, yeah, yeah. the great <laughs> Jeff Shudell. I gave him a wave and he just kind of looked. Nothing. He gave me a stare. He, gave he, like, he was not interested in saying hi. Uh, no, <laughs> or he probably was going to stab. That is an incredible hat game. It's amazing. The way hat. that's sitting on that melon right there. That <laughs> is incredible, <laughs> isn't it? It's pure oh, joy man. right there. Um, but I could see the weight of the world off of Preef's shoulders, yeah. right? Because when you don't have an an elite guy returning the football, you can do everything right. All 10 guys sure. are perfectly block, and you're going to get the ball back to, you know, maybe where you'd get it at a touchback in the kickoff game. And, and a punt return, you might get 10 or 15 yards. And so you feel like a little bit of, ah, I'm banging my head against the wall because we're doing everything right. All the guys in the return game, they're doing the things that I'm asking them, but they're not getting that reward, right? Because they're not getting those big explosive <laughs> returns that you want and – uh, it is going to be beautiful to see that first return that Jakeem Grant takes to the house because First Energy Stadium or wherever we are, maybe it's even in Carolina week one, is uh, going to be, be absolutely electric for the Browns fans that are there. Well, that he can only not only can he 
help you when everybody does their job. He can make you right when people are wrong. Yeah, that's right. That's what the elite, and that's that's right. That's what quarterbacks do. That's what yeah. the great quarterbacks do. They can make any play Tom right, Brady. and they can make any play work, even if it wasn't necessarily the right call for the situation. Seeing some nice stud in Jacob Phillips right there, knifing in, and he's a guy that with Anthony Walker Jr. out, getting a lot of work as the starting Mike linebacker, and I think that's not necessarily a competition. Uh, I was talking with with Jason Tarver, our linebacker coach and great friend of the show. He said he said we have four starters. Let me just be clear about that. We have four starters. Uh, AWOC, JOK, Jacob Phillips, and Taka for Taki when he's in those roles, obviously, as the Sam linebacker. But that's a room that's got some athleticism. All four of your top guys are back again. And with Phillips healthy, you have a chance, I think, to be really long with him and Owusu Kormo out there at the same time. And Tak's going to play some Mike linebacker right now with Walker out, and he's having a blast, having an absolute time of his life calling some of the stuff on the defense. Yeah, Phillips, you he, you take notice just the way he looks. He just it's it's you know we, he's been injured so much, but when he plays, the impact is is absolutely noticeable. It this has been fun. It has been fun. It doesn't matter how small the window is, by the way. No, Sean Watson gets it in there right there, throwing the needle to DPJ uh, on that one for a, a completion about 15 yards over the middle of the field. Not only do you see all of the hard stuff look easy, the easy stuff is really easy. Like there's layups, you know, or layups. layups or layups, and that's 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 a new thing. And so that's that's been certainly fun. This is great. We got eleven on eleven out here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. We'll continue Cleveland Browns Daily eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Hoff, I wanted to – the first day in pads, and now you're in it. you got 11 on 11. We've been waiting for this type of thing for a long time. You get a little – sometimes it gets a little testy, right? But that's all a good thing. What's the mentality on, on that type of thing? We just saw MJ and, and DPJ have a little push. It was kind of fun. Everybody pats everybody on the head. What, what's the mentality with that? Well, because you're not tackling to the ground – you're not blocking guys to the ground, right? For safety reasons, obviously, yeah. you don't want anybody on the ground rolling people up because that's where you get a lot of the knee and ankle injuries and stuff. There's a certain unwritten rule and coordination that you have to have with the other side to know exactly when to pull up, right? right. And the first day of pads, everyone's got a little extra energy, got that extra nervousness like I was talking about earlier. And it seems like especially maybe the first two, three periods, everybody's just taking it a little bit further every play. Everybody's pushing just one more second. And pretty soon somebody's going to put their foot down and say, oh, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. I'm not going to be anybody's out here. (laughs) And I'm going to stand up for myself, right? And a lot of coaches, they encourage that, right? They want to make sure that you're setting the tone for the defense. You're setting the tone for the other side. And you're letting your brothers know, hey, I got your back, right? So there's going to be a little bit of the pushing and shoving. But I think it's good for – Kevin Stefanski, which he always talks about, hey, we're here to get our work in, right? And they need to understand, hey, that's okay, little push and shove and little spirit, little energy, that's yeah. great. That's all about training camp and, and building yourself and getting yourself ready for the season. But you just don't want to go over that line and start wasting time. And more than anything, when you're a big guy, you don't want to waste energy fighting. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> fighting is exhausting. I remember the most exhausted I was ever in any training camp was when Mike Patton was the head coach. And I don't know if you remember, we got in all sorts of brawls because he was all encouraging the, the defense to fight. And so the wait, offense, wait, 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 wait. we were trying to get – encouraging them to fight? Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. It was all about, like, building the personality and the swagger and blah, blah, blah. Go ahead, Z. I was, I'll let you <laughs> oh, chime in here. Gosh. 
Well, there, was there, was, there was a lot going on at that time. Not only was he encouraging the defense, and, and it was clearly a training camp that was designed. They would show the fights in meetings and, like, grade them on Come what on. they did during the fights. Oh, yeah. They also, oh I felt like, gosh, and maybe awesome. I, I could be wrong, but I don't want to speak out of turn, but it felt like as an observer, I'll say, that it felt like the defense had a pretty good idea of what the offense was doing more yeah, often than not. There was a lot not. of script readers is what we would call it, and it drove Kyle Shanahan absolute batty. And Kyle would get pissed just like us on offense because typically on offense, like, we're all about our work. We're all about, like, efficiency and dotting our I's and crossing our T's. And then all of a sudden, these guys, on, these bozos on defense are, first of all, they're reading our plays, and they're scripting the perfect defense for every one of Stop our plays. Stop corner blitzing the outside Yeah, zone. like we're trying to get some work done camp. here, and you guys are blitzing into every play with the perfect blitz. Like, I'm Madden, like you could see exactly what your buddy's calling so every were, time. That's what they were doing. And then they're, like, coaching them up on the fights, so we're just losing all this practice time for this silliness. So finally, we started putting our, our foot down and fighting back, and it turned into this just all-out brawl battle where it was like a three, four-minute wrestling match with, Did like, 30 dudes. Did it start with, dudes. like, Ish Kitchen? Was Ish Kitchen I don't even remember who started, but it usually starts with O-line, D-line, or <laughs> yeah. at least even if it starts on the outside, then it's usually a D-lineman just flying in from 20 yards away and taking a cheap shot and knocking somebody off the pile. And then it's a big battle, and you're in a wrestling match. And if anybody wrestled in high school, they know how exhausting two or three minutes of wrestling is <laughs> compared to, like, a five- or six-second football play. And then after that, what does Petten do? Now he's going to put his foot down about the fighting because the offense was the one fighting this time. And he lined everybody up on the sideline, and we ran half gassers for about 15 minutes. Uh, good Did times. You, do you land any, Hoff? Do you land any haymakers, or is it more well, of a, the, a wrestling match? Yeah, it's more of a wrestling match. I was smart enough and always kept the cool head to understand that punching with the helmet on is right. counterproductive. You're not getting anything done, so my move of choice was usually the choke. I was well known for the choke. Uh, the rear naked choke was big. It's very effective. Or you could go with the solar plex punch or yeah. the, the jab, right? You could, you could hit in there or the kidneys. Those were sort of your best, most vulnerable areas on your opponent. The rear naked choke. Yeah, you don't want to get caught up you in the Hoff pythons like Titus that, Brown, yeah. he, he uh, actually, we got in a, a battle. This was during the season, indoor. Actually, um, we got in a fight. And he was on the bottom, of course, like usual. I won. And I had choked him out to the point where he said he, he couldn't breathe and he, he, he couldn't talk because, yeah, it was. He tapped out? I don't know if he tapped out, but the coaches started pulling us off. And I started walking back to the huddle. And I'm like 30 yards from him. And he's like, he's like trying to talk, you know, because his windpipe was kind of crushed. And finally, he got to the point where, like, Romeo was like, I don't, I don't really care. And so he turns, and he just starts sprinting at me as I'm walking back to the huddle and just T-bones me from behind. And, of course, what happens? The fight started again. And away I we turned go. around, and I started choking him out again. And then we all got kicked out of practice. And then the next day, all's good. And then it's then all the next good. Day we you know Every, we need amazing. this to be recorded for us, Eric, because I feel like this is a part of your career that like has maybe not even been brought That's to right. light before. Oh, no. Hoff the with the rear naked chokes yeah, in practice. Nobody's in there when we're practicing right. during the season. That's nobody's cold. there to watch. But yeah, I, I oh, you amazing. know, as as an old guy, as one of the leaders, you kind of have to be the disciplinarian, and you're the one everybody looks to to see is, hey, did we go out of line? Did we go too far? So you gotta keep peace at times, but at sometimes you know you gotta elicit punishment yeah. with the <laughs> rear naked choke. So that's, that's, that's right. Fantastic. Ned Stark. Sometimes you gotta <laughs> hand out the punishment. Sometimes you gotta if you're gonna be the one to wield it. Sometimes yeah. you gotta do it. That's Absolutely, right. the wield the sword. Uh, still so much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Training camp certainly underway here. The Cleveland Browns 50-50 raffle is now open. Go to the Browns mobile app or browns5050.com to purchase your tickets. The raffle ends Sunday, August 21st. Don't miss your chance to win big while supporting the Stay in the Game Network shoes and clothes for kids. Gentlemen, your uh, Hoff, your, your impressions here, what we've seen in our uh, first bit of uh, full contact here. Yeah, one of the things I really wanted to see was sort of a ramping up of the energy and the intensity, which is usually what you get with pads. And that's exactly what we've seen. We've seen a lot of energy, spirit. We've seen accuracy from Deshaun Watson, a lot of completed passes, some explosive runs from Nick Chubb. So exactly what you were hoping to see today, I think Kevin Stefanski is going to be very happy about the amount of work and the quality of the work that these guys are getting out here today. I would agree, and I think we've seen some nice plays from the defense as well. MJ Emerson, who had great coverage on Donovan Peoples-Jones on that one that maybe that led to a near fracas although cooler heads prevailed, which was also good to see. I, I was looking forward to What I look forward to the most is one-on-ones. I love a good one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. We, I don't think we've seen them yet. I was looking to see maybe sometimes when special teams happen, they'll get, you know, get a little O-line, D-line, but it looks like they're all in their own position groups right now. So no one-on-ones as of yet, but that's always something that time. I really look forward to. I, I say, love that. Yeah, I think that's probably the fans' favorite time because that's really when you can actually tell who's having a good camp. Like yeah. When you're watching one-on-ones, you know who's won and who's lost. When you're watching the team drills, Sometimes it's a little difficult to know. I, was that guy just put in a bad position because his buddy screwed him and he was just trying to help and make the the best of a bad situation? Or was he actually getting beat in that play? So it's really where the uh, wheat is separated separated from the chaff. Gosh, what a great <laughs> goodbye. The farmer and you, the farmer and you knows all oh about my goodness. wheat and chaff. Of course, it's the I separation. Do. And Listen, what's the happening with the wheat is that we're putting the the pesticides right on right as we're harvesting <laughs> we and it's causing that some problems. was a great conversation we had yesterday. It's true. You roll your eyes. It's true. I learned that from player. him. That was right out of his. Remember That's I right told you that about the chickpeas. That's right. Yeah, chickpeas Remember too. That? Yeah. The next That's level's right. next. Cleveland Browns Brown spotted. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.